0: The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, it's a Sunday morning. It's Riviera Radio.
1: We're into December and it's time to say good morning to Rob. Good morning, Howard. Yes, we're definitely into December. (laughs) The, uh, the, The temperature tells me that we're definitely into December.
0: Yes, OK. Uh, well, let's hope the climate is acting as it should. <laughs> absolutely. Get cold yeah, when yeah. it should get cold, or get hot when it should get hot, but I'm afraid that's not happening. Mm. We've got the, the <laughs> cough going on at the moment, have we, the, the climate thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, last week, the UK's Chancellor of the Exchequer unveiled his autumn statement. Another Sunday, we said this week we'll lift the bonnet and tell listeners what was in the budget that might financially impact us. However, before we discuss your statement, what caught your eye in the news this week
1: well i would uh every week we we try not to repeat the headline grabbing news that listeners from will hear from all the usual news fees um you know here on review radio on the hour and then on the half hour um in this section of the broadcast, we try and look for news that's that's maybe less mainstream but news that could have an impact or influence the reviewer radio listeners that said. The world lost two very influential statesmen this week. One that did hit the headlines was the passing of Henry Kissinger, the US Secretary of State who helped forge a new era of US relations with China. Um, And to those of us growing up in the 60s and 70s, when we only had three channels on our TVs, he was the regular face on our TV screens. Now aged 100, Kissinger was the last surviving member of President Nixon's cabinet. Who was, uh, who was controversially awarded the Nobel Peace Prize back in 73 for the Paris Peace Accord, which paved the way for, for the US's withdrawal from Vietnam? He then laid the groundwork for Nixon's historic visits to China and Russia in 72, which eased tense Cold War relations before he embarked on his, on his trademark shuttle diplomacy missions in the Middle East just after the Yom Kippur War in, in 73 to foster peace between Egypt and Israel. We also lost this week a gentleman called Charlie Munger. Now, he was best known for his 45-year collaboration with Warren Buffett and the vice chairman of their investment company, Berkshire Hathaway. The duo were famous for their long run of outperforming the US stock market through value investing, their inspiration. Was taken from a book that was written way back in 1949 by Benjamin Graham, called *The Intelligent Investor*, which I would recommend anyone who's interested in investing and in and investments to read. Now Buffett had forged a career out of making long-term investments in businesses that he thought were well-run and industries that he in that he understood. Munger is credited for persuading Buffett to switch investment strategies from buying troubled companies on the cheap to buying well-performing businesses that happened to have underpriced stock. Buffett said Munger had weaned him away from buying very so-so companies at very cheap prices, knowing that there was some small profit in it, to so looking for wonderful businesses that could be bought at a fair price. Now, sticking with, with investment markets, as we all know, the markets have endured a somewhat torrid time over the past couple of years. But investment... Um, in fine wine has not been exempt from from that hardship. According to the List X Fine Wine 1000 Index, the price of fine wine is down 9.5% year-to-date. Unfortunately, that has not deterred fraudsters. Historically, fine wine fraud has mainly involved passing off inferior wine as Grand Cru, but recently a new more seductive ruse has been deployed. Criminal gangs have been setting up fake firms, impersonating legitimate businesses, then offering to buy wine collections above market value. These criminals use fake documents, purchase agreements are drawn up, and instructions are given as to where to transfer the wine before the payments are made. Now, as you would expect, once the victim's wine arrives at the storage, the criminals then immediately move it again, and the wine and the victim's payment disappears. So if you're thinking of selling your wine collection, be alert use a registered professional. While tax rises are never popular their impact on stock markets is rather more complex. The conventional wisdom is taxes are bad for stock prices because raising taxes reduces demand which results in slower economic growth which then reduces sales and therefore profits. Increasing corporate taxes reduces a firm's profit. The capital gains tax makes equities less attractive because again the taxman takes more of your potential profit. However a recent study has found the relationship is a little bit more complicated than that. The S&P 500 returns during the 13 individual years between 1950 and 2020 when taxes were hiked by large amounts were above average. Now one explanation is since tax rises are announced in advance They have already been priced in by the time they are formally introduced. Cynics may also say, if you plan your financial affairs in advance, you can minimise, or in some cases, completely avoid the taxes you would pay if you didn't know about the changing financial landscape that will be framed by new taxes that are about to be introduced, which I think, Howard, leads us very nicely into today's subject matter of the Autumn Statement.
0: Well, the autumn statement initially seemed to be well-received, but then it seemed to quickly lose its gloss.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. How the, now the dust has settled. I think, I think it, to be honest with you, it's a little bit underwhelming. Um, Jeremy Hunt promised 110 different measures to grow the, the economy in the UK and boost British business investments by £20 billion pounds a year. His measures include cutting business taxes, attracting foreign investment, helping entrepreneurs raise money, boosting productivity and reforming welfare while speeding up access to the electricity grid. After the global pandemic and the energy crisis Hunt told us the UK government had taken some difficult decisions to get the economy back on track. He said a recession had been avoided, the economy had grown but the government's work is not done so they have chosen to avoid high spending and high tax because that leads to less growth not more. In advance of what will probably be his government's last autumn autumn statement for a while, what Hunt was able to announce was made a little easier by the announcement that inflation had fallen in the UK to 4.6% in October, and year-to-date, the UK government borrowing figure are running at 15% below forecasts. So there's a little more headroom for the government to announce more election-friendly tax cuts. So Rob, are you able to summarise
0: the details in the autumn statement? (laughs)
1: Yeah, the the news that grabbed all the headlines um, as Hunt sat down was his reduction in the headline rate of national insurance. It will be cut from 12% to 10% from the 6th of January, which will save someone on a salary of £35,000, about £450 a year. Class 2 national insurance contributions will be abolished, and Class 4 will be cut from 9% to 8%, which will save the 2 million self-employed workers in the UK, on average, about £350 a year. Benefits will rise by 6.7% in line with September's inflation figure, which equates to an average increase of around £470 a year for 5.5 million UK households. We were told ministers had considered using the October inflation figure of 4.6%, which would have saved £3 billion, but that would have hit 9 million households who are struggling to cope with the cost of living. There was good news for those listeners who received the UK state pension. It will rise by 8.5% in line with the triple lock from the 1st of April. Again, ministers have been considering using a lower measure of inflation, which would have stripped out the effect of bonuses. Interestingly, about £250 million will be made available by the government to invest alongside UK pension funds into life sciences and technology companies. Employees will have the legal right to require a new employer to pay pension contributions into their existing pension pot, so workers can have just one pension pot for life as it's being called, which will provide around £75 billion for financing of high growth companies by 2030. Subject to ongoing market conditions, the government also plans to sell its shareholding in West and fully exit its 38.7% stake in the bank by 2026. The Chancellor announced all alcohol duty will be frozen until next August, which will take three pence off the duty cost of a pint of beer. And he announced £50 million of funding to increase apprenticeships in engineering and other key growth sectors where there are shortages. A tax break allowing companies to reduce their tax by up to 25 pence for every pound they spend on plants and machinery has been made permanent. The scheme, which was due to end in April 26, will cost around £10 billion a year and the Chancellor billed it as the biggest tax cut for businesses in modern British history. The national living wage will increase by 10% from £10.42 to £11.44 an hour for those aged 21 and over. The increase is worth around about £1,800 a year for the average full-time worker. Households living near new power cables will also be offered electricity bill discounts of up to £10,000 over a 10-year period. The plans are part of a series of efforts to speed up the construction of energy networks required to connect new wind and solar farms and other power plants. Hunt said that proposals should Cut grid access delays by 90% and accelerate about £90 billion of business investment. Over the next two years, £110 million will be invested in schemes tackling nutrient neutrality, as it's called, which the Chancellor said should produce an additional 40,000 homes over the next five years. Another £450 million will be allocated to the Local Authority Housing Fund to deliver 2,400 new homes. And the government will consult on new permitted development rights, which would allow any house to be converted into two flats. The Office for Budget Responsibility, the OBR, has forecast that inflation will fall from its present level of 4.6% to 2.8% by the end of next year. So the Chancellor then said that inflation would then fall back to the Bank of England's target of 2% by 2025. And if anyone has got all those facts and we've taken them on on board, Howard, I'll be very, very impressed. Yes.
0: Well, turning to James. How are you, James?
2: Howard, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well as
0: well. Thank you very much. Well, Rob mentioned the national insurance reduction will cost £10 billion, but the fiscal drag will raise £45 billion. Can you explain what that is and could it affect our listeners?
2: Sure. Um, Well, usually tax allowances and bans increase with inflation each year. And this means as people's income increases, the tax burden doesn't significantly increase. But by keeping these the same, it's a way for the government to collect additional revenue without all the negative press of increased tax rates. So yeah, listeners with UK income will be impacted. The UK tax rates have been frozen since 2021 and aren't set to rise until 2028. Um, as an example of this and how this will work, if you were to take someone that's receiving a UK income of £50,000, they'll be in the 20% tax bracket. Were they to receive an increase in this income in line with inflation, so let's say uh, 5%, which is £2,500, with the freeze-to-tax bands, this takes them into the 40% tax bracket, meaning £1,000 of that 2500 increase will be taxed. Had the tax bands also adjusted in line with this 5% inflation figure, the person would pay £500 less in tax. So in this example, the fiscal drag is costing the person £500 and 3.8 million people have been caught out by this and are now in a higher tax bracket than they were two years ago. You mentioned the national insurance reduction, but if someone is of state pension age, they'll not get any saving and instead just a higher tax bill. In comparison, France has continued to increase its tax scales and the tax-free allowance has gone up by nearly 7% in the past two years and it's been confirmed there'll be another increase next year. Hopefully the proposed tax allowance of €11,924 will go through because this is a 12% increase since 2021 and 4.8% higher than this year.
0: Could our listeners be impacted by other UK tax freezes?
2: Anyone with assets in the UK will be impacted by the freezes and the taxman is getting his hands on people's money in any way he can. The first one that springs to mind isn't actually a tax freeze, but a tax increase. The capital gains tax allowance has already gone down from £12,300 to £6,000. From the 6th of April next year, will reduce to to £3,000. This will be an additional tax of up to £2,600 and catch people who have UK investments or property. As I've just discussed with the fiscal drag and the impact this has on income, it also applies to growth on the likes of UK property and investments. As the growth increases, the amount that's being taxed is also increasing, so it is worth reviewing your situation to see if this can be avoided. The other one is the nil rate band, which is effectively a tax-free allowance on death of £325,000. Unlike the income tax bands I was just discussing that haven't been increased since 2021, this allowance hasn't been been increased since 2009. Think about how much investment markets and properties have gone up in value over that time. There'll be significantly more individuals paying inheritance tax at 40% or more of your wealth being taxed.
0: Can you explain what an S1 is and why it's so important for lots of listeners?
2: Yeah, essentially an S1 is an agreement that the UK will cover the medical bills for people living in France. So two main ways someone can get one of these is by receiving a UK state pension or having UK employment. A listener of the show recently approached us who lives in Monaco and was thinking about a potential move to France. But one of their stumbling blocks was healthcare. He had a discussion around their pension provisions and the fact that they'd not claimed the UK state pensions. They said the reason they hadn't claimed the UK state pension was because they deemed it to be too small and they didn't need the money. What they hadn't realised was, that when it started it would allow them to have an S1 and have their medical fees covered by the UK, enabling them to get an account patel on the move to France. As it turns out, because he hadn't claimed his pension for many years, he was sent £100,000 in back payments which came as quite a shock the small pension was not as small as he thought. Another, another situation with another client. Um, someone came to us for advice that had been retired in France for many years. He was receiving a UK state pension but hadn't got the S1. When we asked him why, he told us that he didn't need it because he was already in the French system. But by getting the S1, it will save him 9.1% social charge on his UK pensions. As I've mentioned before, this is a saving of nearly £1,000 a year on the state pension alone.
0: Interesting. Well, I understand we'll have to get by without you for the next few weeks because you're off on paternity leave. Congratulations. How about that?
2: Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll, I'll be needing a rest and and come back to the radio as soon as I can.
0: Yes, yes. Well, oh, good luck with that. I hope everything goes really well. And I guess we'll talk in a new year. So that's quite, quite yeah. apt, isn't it? Quite appropriate.
2: Yeah, thanks very much. I will speak to you soon.
0: Well, there were references in the autumn statement to pensions, but I understand there were a lot more developments away from the main budget announcements.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on behind the scenes with pensions, so so we will dedicate next week's broadcast to this whole subject, because there are lots of very important points that need to be explained. Within his statement uh, last week, Hunt announced the triple lock would be honoured. A triple lot was introduced back in 2010 to guarantee state pensions would not lose value in real terms and rise at least in line with inflation. The guarantee ensures that each year the UK state pension increases by that higher of average earnings inflation as measured by the consumer price index or two and a half percent. The statement also confirmed the government is on track to legally abolish the lifetime allowance from the sixth of april twenty twenty four. And as part of the abolition, three new pensions allowances will be introduced. Two of these have been anticipated, the lump sum allowance and the lump sum death benefit allowance. But the third was completely unexpected and came in from left field, the overseas transfer allowance. For people without any pension protection, the maximum someone can take as a pension commencement lump sum due to the introduction of the lump sum allowance will be limited to... Two hundred and sixty-eight thousand two hundred and seventy-five pounds. The tax element for a lump sum death benefit payment will then be limited to one million and seventy-three thousand one hundred pounds. The balance will be taxed at the beneficiary, not the deceased, highest marginal rate of income tax, regardless of the pension scheme members at uh, at the age when they were when they died. As I said, the overseas transfer allowance announcement was completely unexpected. So as I also said, we will delve into this new development for UK pensions and all things pensions next Sunday. And before my inbox comes under attack from a barrage of emails, these developments are not all negative. There are some positives. And as with most budget announcements, you need to know how they impact you and affect you personally.
0: So all in all, as we're heading into 2024, with budgets on either side of the channel, that would improve our situations, or penalise
1: us? <laughs> yes, yeah, good question, Howard. Um, as the snow hit the UK and northern France this week, the for me, the autumn statement felt like a blizzard of words and numbers for, for most of our uh, clients. The thing that really matters in a budget is will their living standards be impacted? This is usually due to either increased tax burdens or tax cuts. I'm also getting a little fed up with what I describe as opportunist politics. So it was good to hear Jeremy Hunt acknowledge the fact that we've all been on the end of a perfect storm, which combined at once in probably life's five most worst pandemics that that most of us will ever see. Um, An unprecedented financial state support for everyone, raging energy bills because Russia invaded Ukraine, which was then followed by, surprise, surprise, rampant inflation. These were huge and rare moments of colossal state intervention. Could every country have managed them better? Maybe and possibly. It's it's the only answer I can give you really. And we'll never know the right answer unless God forbid it ever happens again. The UK's Office for Budget Responsibility said living standards are measured by real household disposable income per person. And that's forecast to be three and a half percent lower by 2025 than their pre-pandemic level, which isn't as bad as they previously forecast, but it still represents the largest reduction in real living standards since records first began back in the 1950s. Tax cuts reduced the tax burden, no surprise there, compared to if the tax cut hadn't happened, but there's a twist. The tax changes contained in this stem reduced the tax burden by 0.7%, but that burden will still continue to rise to a post-war high of 37.7% by 2029 because of the tax freezes James described earlier. By 2029, as James also mentioned, 3 million more people will be paying higher rate income tax in the UK and 4 million will be starting to pay tax that they haven't done before. Right now this provides Labour with an easy target, but if they win the next general election, they have already said they agree with the tax cuts in the autumn statement, and they're not outright rejecting the other measures in there either. This is prompting more and more people to question where they want to live and whether their money will go further in retirement. So if you'd like to understand if your dream of living in France is viable, or if you already live here, if financially you can make any improvements, give us a call to speak to one of our local Blovings Franks partners. Our telephone number in France is 0493 001780. That's 0493. 001780. And if it's more convenient to contact our Monaco office, the telephone number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's Monaco, 97775574. And if you'd like to know more about Blevins Franks, or if it's easy to contact us via the internet, you can visit our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com.
0: Many thanks. We'll talk next Sunday.
1: Thanks very much, Howard. Have a great week.
0: The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493 001780
1: or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Estate planning in France. Will the right money go to the right hands at the right time? Talk to Blevins Franks. Succession tax can be high in France and its forced airship laws restrictive. There are various inheritance solutions available, but they have pros and cons, so care must be taken. Contact Blevins Franks for a review of your estate planning and advice on how you can have control and certainty. Call 0493 001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.